Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. actually here you're here for a week yes i know we've been, we've been preparing <laughs> for weeks for this day to come yeah we have ah! <laughs> ah! it's, it's unfortunate that jimmy can't be here to take in this love that love we, fest well i mean there's gonna be a threesome now she's one-on-one baby. Oh, just one-on-one <laughs> welcome to lost and rewound i'm alan i'm allison and we bring this to you every Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a not-for-profit organization. And with your kind contributions, uh, we can flourish because that's what not-for-profits should do, right? It's true. Yeah, I mean, it's the arts. The arts. The community needs your donations. The arts. It's not like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wants <laughs> and needs. What, what do you do when you cross a Kennedy and a Schwarzenegger? What happens? You get a Shriver. Oh. So if you please go to uh, radiofreebrooklyn.org <laughs> slash pledge, then you, that doesn't even sound like that. <laughs> you will uh, be directed to our Patreon page and we will get a chance to donate a dollar, two dollar, five dollar, ten dollar, hundred dollar. Uh, exactly. There's many different incremental amounts of which, when you provide to them, you uh, will be giving us a charitable contribution. Yeah. And uh, that's the great thing about American currency is that we have made it possible to donate any amount and any sort of you know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So and then, types. if you want to donate to us directly, be a sponsor. Go to radiofreebrooklyn.org/lar. Mm. That's our profile page. Check Stands it out. Stands for Lost and Rewound. In case you didn't. It, it does. Lost and Rewound is a weekly broadcast slash podcast that um, we do in order to get the old sounds of the yesteryears onto the new, mm. uh, you know, the new media. Yeah. You know, there's no way that we're going to be hearing tapes anymore. Videotapes, audio tapes. We, you know, we have all these different old sounds from our past that offer so much perspective to who we are now. So that's, that's what true. we strive to do every week is to connect the dots between then and now. Um, for this episode, uh, this is kind of like our, our anniversary month, actually, now that I think about it. Because okay. we're in it May. We're, we, we are in May. May was when we began in 2016. Today's episode is episode 99, officially. So, I mean, technically, we're like, you know, we started doing this as a radio show before we got on Radio Free Brooklyn. We were doing a podcast iteration before yeah. we got on Radio Free Brooklyn. So we had some episodes already. We've already had episode 100, but now we're like reaching 100 episodes and ready for Brooklyn as well as our two-year anniversary. So we're going to spread it throughout the month. And we're okay. starting it off with this episode 99 because it was your birthday recently. It was my birthday. I just turned 32 on Saturday. Hot. Wait, uh, I mean, last, last Saturday. Yeah. The, the, the Saturday. Two Saturdays ago. What, 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 what day was your birthday? It was, the, it was 21st. April 21st, so two Saturdays ago. Yeah. You had a birthday. You were in town. 
I so this is what happened. So I we're, 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 we should clarify that we're recording this far in advance while Allison is still here <laughs> since she was here. Oh yeah, so now officially I'm not here anymore. <laughs> You're listening to us in the future. No, <laughs> but it's okay. Um, so point being is is that as you're hearing this episode, Allison is here with us in the flesh, as you know, and she she was here. I didn't realize this because I'm terrible with birthdays, admittedly, that you wanted to create some of your time in New York as a part of celebrating your birthday. Well, it was. So my dad took me to Mean Girls, the musical. Oh, my goodness. It was full of energy. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I mean, it was a spectacle. You know, it's not really my jam, but it was sweet of him to do. So it was fun. I mean, it's Tina Fey. Are you a fan of the Tina Fey writing? The movie was cool. I love the movie, Mean Girls. I thought it was hilarious. But... As a musical, like, you know, her, then her husband wrote the music for it, mm-hmm. which she also wrote the music for, I think, like, Legally Blonde, and I don't know. Um, but I'm not, like, as far as musicals in that way and spectacles, it's not really my Can you my remember shtick. the last time? I know we've done a musical episode before, but do you take in musicals every now and again? And do you- Yeah, I love, I mean, Lady Miz is, like, I saw when I was, like, nine years old, and it, like, blew my mind. Mm-hmm. That was big thing for me. I mean, the set was super rad. The way that they had the set rotate and changed every scene was sick and the lighting was sick. But as far as when it comes down to actually performing and actual acting and my beliefs on that, there was none of that in this show. Understood. <laughs> you know? uh, so that's where I like raw and like slightly dark and, and like honest and real. And that, that's just, you're not going to get that in Mean Girls Musical. It's also this whole thing about people being nice to each other. The whole crowd's like into it, quote unquote. And then as soon as the lights are up and the show's over, like people are like pushing you out of the way to like get out of the theater. And it's like, so that they can talk and not just watch like any, you know, the message that this, this show is. They're, they're ready to get out uh, there as soon as possible and then talk amongst themselves or post on social media away from being around human beings that they do not know. Yep. So, well, so that was a good birthday. And uh, you've otherwise been uh, spending the time that you are here in New York partying as much as possible and getting a chance to see friends that you haven't seen since you left. Yeah, like there's a lot of things I thought about doing shows and doing things, but it's like my time here right now, I'm just really, I want to just be with my my friends and my family. I was going to say, like, it's it's one thing to when, when you are somewhere else working and then you come back and you want to keep working. But it makes total sense. You know, you're coming from New Orleans where you are already in this relaxed place. And why would you need to put yourself back into this stressed out New York vibe when you just want to kind of keep that vibe that you have down south going and just chill and relax and enjoy the company that you can't otherwise enjoy every day? Well, and I don't know when I'll be, you know, I don't really know when I'll be back yet so right you've yeah. been threatening to stay which i totally understand I, oh, hey you, i had you, friends that were like oh my god how was your vacation welcome back and i'm like no no uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not back uh yeah i don't know i'm loving it i think it's great the best thing about new orleans is like their immediate choices in life don't have anything to do with what everyone else is doing in life i think a lot of things with new york is like I'm making this choice now, and this is how it impacts these people around me. It's like, I mean, sometimes it does, but a lot of the time, like, no one cares what you're doing for the most, you know, for the immediate, like, thing in New York a lot of times with, like, especially sometimes with, art, like, artists, they're like, if I don't do this now, like, then this won't happen. It's like, no. Yeah, it's nobody, not necessarily. Nobody, no one cares. Nobody gives a <laughs> fuck out here. No. I just fell down a rabbit hole of directing something for the very first time, and I have admittedly received a ton of people who actually do very much care and mean... It's been tremendous, actually, the amount of interest that our show has gotten. But um, uh, the show is what 
people are interested in, not me. And I yeah. respect that. So if people, I tell people, I'm like, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, like the show <laughs> itself too is like it's as far as the world turning and meeting a lot of people who are like, art is life, and it is like art is amazing. But like, if I don't, I don't know. It's just different in New Orleans. Lifestyle is a little bit different. You, you owe us a, uh, an interview with my sister. I do. I actually have not talked to your sister really. Well, you have her contact info. I know, I do. I have to and you, yeah, the city cannot be that small. I'm sure you guys have probably found yourselves in the, the city's same. Not, the city is pretty small. It is. It's only it's 300,000 people. You guys probably were at the same freaking bar at one point. You know, who knows? I'm walking right into Jazz Fest when I leave here, actually. New oh, York, yeah. When I go back. Mm. And I live right next to Jazz, like where they do Jazz Fest is like in the fairgrounds. Yeah. So it's going to be crazy. I'm do you have like a shotgun crazy. or what kind of house do you live in? Oh, it's awesome. Um, I have like the whole floor. It's like you walk, there's two doors. So there's the side door and the front door. And the side door leads through my friend who I live with, his studio. He's a milliner. And then the other door leads to the living room. And then where those two rooms merge is like the kitchen area. And then we have two different wings to the house. So I have a bathroom and a bedroom on one side and he has a bathroom and a bedroom on the other side. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's like a shared... uh, Little co-op kind of thing. Yeah. It's cool. Very cool. It's like two fifty for rent out there or something. No, it's more. I mean, I pay more than that. I pay six fifty. Look at you, high roller. High roller. <laughs> no, that's cool though. And uh, since you are back, we did want to give you a little bit of birthday love. The fact that you are here in person is really quite remarkable. I feel like over the past several weeks that you've been on the show, you have kind of become our de facto. What's the best way to put this? Un- not physical, non-physical presence. And because it's a show about tapes, it's almost like Jimmy and I, plus like the little like voice, the female voice of a the fairy. tape. Yeah, you're like the tape fairy. Like you oh just- God, what a great character. I wish I could just be a fairy that just wraps people in tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you hear like the sound of me and then like the sound of him and then like audio sound, like, like totally can, like totally coming from like this. <laughs> I'm calling from New Orleans. All right, now the tape is done. Tape is done. <laughs> so you're you become a, a very fixed presence on the show because I respect and appreciate the effort and the time, the commitment that you've made, especially with all the guests that you've been bringing us. My goodness, such amazing amount of uh, guests that we've gotten on your watch alone. We wanted to dedicate the show to you, but we weren't really sure what to do, right? We kind of came know. into the show not really sure what to do. So, like two good actors, we improvise and we figure something out. Yeah. So when we come back, let's listen to what we came up with. of Allison Goodman. But then I remembered that the best is happening as we speak. 
Mm. Oh, and also okay. Audacity crashed, so I couldn't bother with it. <laughs> but, but also, to be fair, there really is so much that's going on in the moment that I feel like it, it would be unnecessary to make a best of when we still have so much to to, to hear out of you. Um, you. You only just became an official member within the past year, so we're going to keep it going. And for this episode, you have a, uh, uh, some clips from your phone, mm-hmm. and they range in age. They're not necessarily super old, but there's a lot of stories behind them, and they for sure fall in the ethos of Lost and Rewound, which is that uh, they represent a different time of your life. And they, oh, rep- yeah. and they represent things that certainly can be rooted to your past and how you got from there to there for sure absolutely <laughs> so what what is the first thing you're gonna play i don't know, I don't what, know. The, what these are you so know what they the are first I don't. one is actually so this first one uh it was four years it was two, 2014 there was this thing called the charlie brown christmas tree it was in this small town in pennsylvania that had gone completely i think bankrupt they couldn't find a tree that was worthy for a christmas tree and they ended up putting up this tree that was like super sad looking they call it the charlie brown christmas tree and actually because of that a bunch of tourists end up coming through the town and loving the tree and they end up actually making money i don't, you don't really remember know the town i i don't remember the name of the town it might say it in this so then we went to see this christmas tree it took us over four hours to drive there i think you went from new york or from new jersey we went from jersey it might have taken us only like two and a half from jersey to the small town in pa so it must have been like western pa for sure it was western it pa four hours like near pittsburgh or something it was near Pittsburgh. I can't. It might have only been like two and a half hours. It might have been like five hours total. Complete. It was eight hours long. <laughs> I went. It took to us cr- a whole day. Circuitous, yeah. But we get there, right? And there's this guy like smoking meth, like in the corner somewhere, and we pass one of those like kind of like diva, fun, trashy female stores where it's just like you can like I don't know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, what? It's um uh, like you can buy like a pair of jeans for, like twelve ninety nine or like I don't know. I can't, okay, I can't no, remember no. the name of yeah. I, I, I get it now. And That's my funny. mom, we go, we circle around the tree once. We're literally there for less than five minutes. She goes, okay. And we were like, no, like we're not going to. So we went to go to dinner. We found a place for dinner. You mean to tell me that your mother was like, we're going to go and see this tree. Yes. So you drove all that time across the state yep. to see the tree. And in your mother's head, she was like, done. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and now we go home. Yes. So we were like, no, we're having dinner. And then I called my friend who was in Lancaster at the time. Okay. So we were co- close to there. Uh, she drove about 20 to 30 minutes, I think, to meet us. And so my friend Caitlin's on this tape. And my mom's talking about, well, we'll just listen to the tape now. Because yeah. this is family dinner after seeing the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Recording begin. Yeah, she was crying. They were crying so hard. When she, she was like... 
Got what he wanted. He's a UFC fighter. C fire. UFC. A UFC fighter. Fighter. Yo. <laughs> Full circle. Did you remember that? Hell yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so here we are now actually talking about things that were mentioned on past episodes after all without me having to queue up anything. So true. Me. Okay. So, uh, God. All right. <sighs> vaginal I, secretions. Did you hear that? That was in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's start with vaginal secretions if you're okay. I mean, I know you're comfortable talking about that, but... It's fine. I don't know if I'm comfortable listening to it. Um, no, I'm comfortable <laughs> hearing everything. What am I talking about? <laughs> This is this this is the the right show for that. Well, all right. So uh, I totally should have had a pen and pad ready, uh, but I did not. So what exactly about vaginal secretions did I miss there? That first I think, part. Well, my I don't see. So I thought it was a, about a a butthole. I thought my sister didn't think she had a butthole for a while, but it, my, it was talking about all different ways you can transfer STDs and health fast, and they're getting ready. So I think she was saying through. A vagina through, like, I guess, vaginal fluids. You can exchange STDs that way. And that's Eileen, my sister, came running out of the bathroom saying, but I don't have those. <laughs> when she was, like, 11 years old. <laughs> okay. So sex ed clearly uh, was yet to really work <laughs> if it was even enforced. It was, was you had sex ed, obviously, at that Yeah, we age. definitely had sex ed. We were in, like, fourth grade. Yeah, yeah, we had, I remember sex ed because my teacher told me that my clitoris was a mini penis and i'll never forget that that's not right though <laughs> i mean i guess organ wise you could probably see some similarities but no that's what she meant yeah i don't know i'll uh, never forget it well so then eileen totally just did not recognize the fact that uh sex ed was already telling her that no you you do have a butthole you <laughs> why well, yeah i think finally she realized that she had a butthole <laughs> So that's my dad at the dinner table being like, can we not please? Yeah. 
because he was just him and then four women. <laughs> I'm I'm very much with him in that this is not something necessarily that should be talked about at the table, much less it, it, maybe at the private dinner table, one thing, but not in public. <laughs> no, definitely not in public. Uh, but, but I am curious because, you know, we've talked about this a number of times about your father's Scientology phase. And when you're in a Scientology phase, how does that change how you feel about uh, the human body and, uh, and and sex education in general? I don't. I feel like just I don't know. I've, I don't remember because it was I was young. I don't know. I, we never really talked. It was just my mom. We would talk about like you never talked about anything that that sexual what like sexuality like sex ed. Yeah. No. I don't no. Think so. ever. Not really. Never. No. My dad is a very. Uh, He's like he's a very good person, but uh, <laughs> he, that would make him very uncomfortable. <laughs> so he's always been kind of like that uncomfortable about things that are very sort of risque, raunchy. Yeah, I mean, if, I think when it comes to talking to his daughters personally, if it's not about us, he's he thinks it's hilarious. He took me to the red light district one time. We went to Amsterdam, and I was like fourteen. Really? Yeah. And that was because first... he wanted to expose me. He wanted to show me. He but, wanted like, to. On his own terms, though. Yeah, well, it's always on his own terms. Right. But what do your parents think about what you're making now? I mean, what you're making now is certainly on level with the risk, risk, the riskiness of the red light district. We don't, I realize that, uh, no, so my parents and I have very different, like, beliefs in the world. Or how we live life is very different, for sure. Right. That's something I've learned to separate. Okay. Like, I'll never, my parents and I will never look at the world the same way. Never. Mm-mm. So I came to terms with now I'm fine with when do, when did you come to terms with that? Uh college? I think I started to in college, but yeah. I think I'm finally okay with it now, like twelve years later. Like the way I live my life is not they will never understand. Mm-mm. Well, uh I get that. I mean I think there's a lot of things that uh we as adults just at some point we have to cut our parents off from getting involved in our personal lives. Oh, and our, and, sure. in our professional lives. And not, being, not having, I feel like a lot of times I was feeding judgment through what my parents thought. And then finally was like, I can't do that. Like, they're just humans and I'm just humans, regardless of whether they brought me up or not. And I have to live life the way that I want mm-hmm. and the way that I feel okay with and not try and fit into their version. What was their version of you? Oh, it's just like way more square. Very like you have a nine to five. Mm-hmm. With your pension plan, your 401k, like very like. Uh, but you made it pretty clear, but well before college, that you wanted matter. to be an actor, it'll, an it'll, artist. It'll, it'll never, but it'll never act. No, because their version of artist is like, is the uh, Amy Poehler on. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Does that make sense? Kind of. That's a, a very standard example of what it means to be a comic. Like, you just, you hustle, you hustle, you hustle, you hustle. But they don't see that. Like, though, my mom will see someone on, like, the Today Show who, you know, like, she'll be like, and then all of a sudden at 42, he was discovered, Allison. I'm like, but that's not, okay. You know what I mean? It's like, that's their, yeah. but they're not artists. No. So. The, phone, the, the conversations that were being had, it was mostly about, I think, was it all, all about that? Did I miss something, or was it all just... Well, then getting... we turned into, oh, then we turned into talking about... Um, uh, so I used to torture my sister for years. Okay. I was picked on a lot as a kid, so I think Eileen was my scapegoat. All right, it was you that was being talked about. We have talked about that as well. Uh, in the first episode, you talked about how um, you would get pushed into lockers a lot. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which teased. is you teased, pushed into lockers, and tripped, and all the classic tropes that uh, I knew very well. Yeah. 
We both do, I think. Yeah. <laughs> High five! <laughs> Yay! Yeah. We got pushed. <laughs> I got pantsed every now and again. Pantsed. Is that right? No, that's the right word? Yeah, that is the right word. Pants, I think so. When your parents are the ones telling the story, when you're right there, it feels sort of uh, a little bit disingenuous. Yeah. Well, I think they were being like, you were a nasty sister to me. And I was like, and I was nasty, but I, I mean, but I was dealing with nasty eight hours a day, five days a week. So then I think when I came home and I, I my sister, we're super close now. I just was dog sitting for her the other day. She just got a dog named Omar, and he's so cute. He's nine months. We went to the park for like three and a half hours. <laughs> just me and Omar. We took Love a nap. It. Love it. And so I would do things where like we'd wake up, and, and we'd be ready, getting ready for school, and we'd be all ready, and I would just turn to her when we'd be upstairs before we went downstairs, and I would just look, give her this weird look, and she'd be like, what? I'd be like, nothing. And she'd be like, no, what? And I'd be like, nothing. And she'd be like, no, what? And I'd be like, I'm just like, you're not going to go like to school wearing that, are you? Like walk down the stairs, it's just the worst thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my way of torturing her. Just by uh, sort of cerebral, just uh, getting under her skin. Oh, yeah, it's so mean. I would never do it now, but I was mean back then. Let, let, let me be real with you. You must have had that happen to you in some capacity. Oh, I was wearing like yeah, I was the biggest dork. No, so. but I'm saying like even in school, like peers would probably be like, "You, why are you wearing that?" Yeah, so uh, yeah. you took that and you rubbed that off on your family member. Yeah. Which I think is pretty normal at that age. Right? I was like 13, 14, 10. Yeah. My dad I, said until we were 22, or my sister did. This is not true. <laughs> it's not mean for that long. <laughs> I wonder if I had a situation with my sister that was similar. If I would wear something and she'd be like, wow, Alon, you are a total dork. And I'd be like, you know it. And then I go back in my room and like change the shirt, like and yeah. then put a sweater over, pretend like I still was wearing it, but just like, oh, it's colder out. <laughs> no, I would never have dared tell my sister like what I thought about what she wore. Sometimes she actually, every now and again, she will say that this is a lie, but she admittedly has a worse memory. I think she's asked me how she looks. Like she's oh. like, she would look, look okay, look okay. I'm like this doesn't <laughs> look too weird, doesn't it? I'm like <laughs> looking like stone faced because it'd be in the morning right. and I'd be like, yeah, you're fine. Just, I'm not the right person to ask. <laughs> I'm 17 and I can give a fuck. Oh, um, what else we got? What else? We okay. Got here? Um, so give, now, give us another clip, birthday girl. This is titled "White Bitches for Days." Wow. White bitches for days. Yeah. So this is almost 40 minutes, but I'm just gonna start at the top yeah, and we'll see how we go let, through. Yeah. Let, let's not play 40 minutes. No, no, no. I'm not gonna play 40 <laughs> minutes. So this is. Um, I worked at a bar in the West Village. This is. Uh, right before Christmas 2014. So this is actually right before I'm home by about two weeks. This is two weeks prior to the clip we just listened Where to. is this happening? This is happening in a place called Barrow's Pub. I You're work working here? Yeah. I would record these conversations that drunk people would have on the other side of the bar. Between, you know, recording cabbies, recording... <laughs> Bar patrons, you're just just bringing. You're like me, man. I know. Jesus. Like, this, this like is recording awesome. everything you. <laughs> All right, let's listen to an excerpt of this epic drunken tale. Santa have one of these SantaCon guys like, smacked my mom on the ass like the other oh, day. SantaCon. Well, it was three days or four days ago. SantaCon. Some SantaCon guy like smacked my mom in the ass so and she yelled. Fucking asshole. And they turned around and they're like, no, we're not. We're really good people. And she was like, no, you're not. You're fucking asshole. We're really good people. Yeah. They said something about how they love their mom. Fat. 
Can I leave this shit upstairs? Wrap up my card. Yeah. Who else do you know from SantaCon? Anyone? I was watching a bunch of photos today on SantaCon being like, look what happens when they get lost amongst the crowd fighting for, you know. Well, apparently it was a very strange thing I because you had, the, pro- you had the protesters you that were protesting. Wait, let me see it. And there, there were, there were like thousands back. of protesters, and then there were cops, and then there were drunken Santas. And so it was a strange, like... But it's like, civil rights are tradition. You know, it, it's so hard. It's a tradition. It's so hard it's not a tradition. It's like a one-year tradition. It's bullshit. A bunch of in Jersey and Long Island. So there's sarcasm. It doesn't matter. It's a fact. <laughs> I, used to, I come from Ohio. And I used to take the train in. I used to work in a fucking hardcore restaurant every day. And on Friday and Saturday nights, it was like the worst time to take the train because all the jerk offs from the entirety of that whole fucking sect of New York on that train. And they all wore the same shirts with a pop collar. And they all started to fight over the same bullshit. Who was better at Madden football in 99? I don't know. It was a fight. Fight each other over who's better at a video game. A football video game. I actually would do anything to watch that. The fight over the video football game. Alright. Hello. So, what we just heard a little bit ago was... Clearly, a, a, the slow time. <laughs> it was sounded like yeah. like totally like what, what time of day was that? So I used to work at this bar. Yes, from eleven a.m. till seven p.m. So All right. I, this was a day job for there was a couple years when I never had a day off, and then at nighttime would be rehearsals eight to midnight. So this bar I worked on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and during the day I'd work this eleven to seven, and then I worked my other job like every other day. This was just a cash bar. It was an old school union bar. So the all the unions would come in and have their four or five pints before getting back on scaffolding and building. I was the union bitch. <laughs> all right. Uh, and I had a blast until I woke up one day and was like, this is not what I want anymore. And then I straight up essentially just walked out one day and apologized to my boss because she was really nice. I had accidentally shut my finger in, a fr- in one of the like Bud Light fridges. And I jammed my finger so badly and the doctor helped me like straighten it out. And I jammed it so badly and I looked up and it was just like a sea of men yelling at me saying they wanted a beer. And I basically was like, I'm sorry, I just like hurt myself. And they were like, we do that every day on the job. And I was like, and I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, that was my moment. They were being unruly. It just like I was, it was just a sea of drunken people during the daytime. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. It was a great bar. I love that bar. It's a great bar. The conversation we were listening to with that previous clip was um, talking about SantaCon, something that uh, I would imagine you and I both agree is an awful thing. It's just an awful, awful thing. So the guy talking about SantaCon would come in around noon and he'd have three Kettle One martinis, I remember. What was his deal? I think he was either a stockbroker. He worked in the financial district. He definitely was loaded. The guy next to him was a union guy who would just come in and have like two or three beers. Um, and then the other woman on the on that was my friend Emily Bowles, who actually is a great photographer. You should look her up. So you had a photographer, you had the finance bro, and then and you had worker. a union worker. And that was like any given day there. And you had all like the three, artist, yep. the union guy, and then like the finance Someone guy having finance. conversations. And all three of them ag- with you agreed that SantaCon was bullshit. Terrible, yeah. I love that everybody can all <laughs> agree on something. It's funny, though, because, like, I had friends, they would do these events. They'd go to, like, the Santa Cons, the pillow fights, the, um... Pillow fights? 
You don't know about that? Like, no. Union Square is like a, 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 I guess, every a year. giant pillow fight? Yeah. That is exactly what SantaCon is. It's no different than, like, doing something for St. Patrick's Day, everybody dressing up as freaking... It's true. But SantaCon, it just, but everyone gets so wasted. The pillow fight reminds me of a lot of Mardi Gras. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I somehow found myself in a pillow fight, but with beads. So, and they hurt. When they, when they throw those beads at yeah. you from those floats... Let me tell you something. Uh-huh. I had a bruise on my chin for two weeks. I was oh, like goodness. double the size. Just because you got there at the right time. The right time. You, you ran into New Orleans right in the middle of Mardi Gras, and then you got smacked in smacked the face with, with beads. beads. Well, shit, yeah, that was some good timing, Allie. Yep. Just <laughs> perfect timing. Go nurse it with a margarita. <laughs> so true. Or a hurricane. Oof. No. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, I shouldn't have even mentioned it. (laughs) To reiterate, SantaCon is a terrible event. Barrows was not a haven for total jerks, though. No, it was. No, no, no. For the most part, it was a great place for people to just have good conversation. But it was definitely a place where I slowly realize much more of a degenerate bar than I wanted to have in my surroundings on a weekly basis. But that wasn't even the first bar you worked at. So how would you be able to compare and contrast uh, that to any one place and say that this one was worse or better? It wasn't worse or better. It was just where I was in my, at my, where I was in that point of my life, the overall attitude was bringing me down during the day of just like the ambiance. Uh, mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know if I want this specific lifestyle for myself right now. They have another clip ready, and yeah. it's uh, same yeah, time. Yeah, this will be the other side. This is right after Christmas, and this is the other side of Barrow's Pub that I, what I mean by, I didn't know if I wanted to be surrounded by this all the time. At the first wave, and wave three is always the longest of the wave. Uh-huh. And it's going to go, I, I say, I say to 52. Yeah. $52 a share, I say. And then it's going to have a retrace, and then you're going to go up somewhere, which I don't know. I don't know the rules. I just know what Elliot Wade said. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. You've been saying that. I'm just saying. Well, we're in wave. They showed wave one. And now we're looking for wave two. Some water floats, I believe. Excuse me. But this is the wave of all waves. Because you can never buy into a wave other than wave two. You cannot do better no. than this. You cannot do better than buying in the wave two. You cannot do better than this. Because the truth is, there's no way to lose money. There's absolutely no way to lose money. No way. Unless it drops below 44. No, but we're talking pennies. We're talking like 50 cents versus 44 cents. And if it went to 25 cents... I would double up. I would like going or like anything lower than 25 cents. I would be like throwing the whole, I would be like phoning up my internet company going, I want like $50,000 to put on this fucking thing. Honestly, I'd put my whole, my whole annuity in on this. Because the truth is, Elliot Wave is never wrong. Never wrong. Never wrong. I know you don't understand this. But Elliot Wave is never wrong. Never wrong. Never wrong. It cannot be wrong. This guy developed this thing in 19, like in 1920s until today. It's never been wrong once. Never. Never been wrong once. No, no, I trust you, man. I just like. 
up I know. I know. Well, let's talk about something else. We've been talking about stocks for like three hours. I'm getting a little bored. But nobody cares about being bored. You got to make money. Just, I know, but just I don't see me five years ago. Do you want to talk about stocks? <laughs> and I say, well, yeah, we missed the boat. You know that. No, you got to do it now. I am listening to you. Honestly, I'm just here to help the. I'm here to help the homeless. Be honest with you. I'm here to help the homeless, like me, the homeless. I mean, I bought a I bought a home last year in Florida for what, like 140 thousand. Can you be homeless if you own a home? No, I I work every day. I'm not homeless. I don't. You just said you were homeless. <laughs> but still. But I'm homeless. I don't own my home. I'm homeless. <laughs> my definition of homeless and your definition of homeless are two different things. If you don't own your homes, are you homeless or not? I have we, hours of that. Of oh stuff my like god! That. <laughs> Where are <all> right. <laughs> See, Alana, I was like, I don't really. Alana was like, we use all your voice memos. So I was like, oh no, 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 oh no, 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 we have not. <laughs> This is Radio Free Brooklyn, <laughs> and this is Lost and Rewound. We're back here with Allison Goodman. Just before I was trying to figure out how what I wanted to say about that clip, because we heard a guy who was talking about at your bar in the West Village in 2015, maybe I guess? 20... That was right into 2015, so it was like in the month of right, January. It was, yeah. it was after New Year's in 2015, which admittedly is a little newer than what we're normally playing, but still, we're listening to something that was recorded and it represents a much different time in your life because your very life, different, your life, very different time in my life. <laughs> you're in, you're in town. Your life is going like five times faster than you mine. Said right you're now. in town. It's not like you're in town. You're you're in town. <laughs> Sorry, I'm five year old sometimes. <laughs> Isle of Dogs. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The, the double entendre there. Yep, I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was talking about <laughs> knowing like how to make people money. He was like, just like talking, you know, talking a big jive about making people money and showing how, how to like, like the yes. way, when he was saying wave two, I was like, well, what the fuck is this guy talking stocks. about? Stocks. He was talking about stocks. But the biggest thing I think that is to take away from this is like, he's talking about how to make money, but how he himself missed the boat entirely in his life. Right. To make money. And then because, he, so he's trying to like preach, just to be like, please, you know. Yeah. So what it sounds to me is, is that he kind of a little bit of a con artist in some capacity maybe well i think maybe? What a lot of the, well i don't what, what a lot of the union workers i found out did was they would you know they made good money but then like retire so it's funny because in the union retirement's a weird thing you retire pretty early and you spend all this time getting this pension plan and having a 401k and a retirement fund and the the i think it was the average lifespan of someone after they quit the union was like 3 years 
Well, is that, that's as long as they have until their plan like runs out or something. No, or how long do they have? No, I think no, no, no like they, like as far as supporting that, no, for forever. Think, yeah, but they don't last longer. Than no, that. which is why they have such. Which is a funny thing. I thought cause it's why they get such a good deal in a way, and then really they never get to actually see the benefit of that, or their their families never get to see the benefit. What was this guy's name? Oh my god, I don't remember. Let's just call him Mac. Mac walks in. He starts talking big game about how you could make money on the stock market. Yeah, and he probably already had like two tequilas and three beers. Or something, Who knows, you know? right. And then <laughs> this brilliant guy right next to me. So that's Tom, ex-military. We became really good friends. Um, he had pretty severe PTSD. And he would just come in. He'd just have like one or two beers and we'd shoot the shit. And sometimes we'd hang out afterwards. I haven't talked to him in years. But yeah, he would come in every day that I worked. He notices the bullshit radar. And he yes. immediately calls him out on it. Yep. And Mac says, no, no, no. I've got a home. I just don't have a home here. Which he raises a question where he's like, he's not homeless, but he's saying because he doesn't own his home yet, he hasn't paid off the mortgage, who technically owns that property, which is a whole other, I guess, conversation. You're a home. So the question is, are you homeless if you don't if own you, your property? If you don't own your property, right. Outright. You so this is what I was just saying to myself recently. My wife and I finally agreed that we were going to keep our place. We were contemplating selling. And then we eventually admitted uh, that we, not not even it's about affording. It's just, we're just not ready to move. And the costs of, of keeping what we have greater outweigh that yeah. of, of selling. At the end of the day, sense. people are worth more than property. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, but we don't treat the, the what I think, I feel like. I definitely believe that, and you believe that. I think the majority of people that own our country, I don't know if they think that's true. That's really sad. You know? <laughs> but no, it's a tale as old as time, right? Because the whole reason why our country is even something at all to begin with is because we came here and said, this is ours. Who lives here? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yep. it's ours. So we kind of on this um, principle that property is worth more than people, but it's isn't our country well, we're actually a nation's based off that but we don't have to talk about that today yeah i know no no no, no. <laughs> we don't want to get too don't deep to get too deep but back to mac or if, oh. that, if that is his real name I, he got so there was a guy named mac that used to come into the party. okay so let's not throw shade on mac let's call him jack <laughs> jack <laughs> so jack and i don't remember how that <laughs> used to be mac now he's jack jack is talking this big game about what it means to uh i guess he keeps going on like this keeps going he does, and he says something really uh, – because I put this in my show on my loop where the, sh- the, the only the, reason – Sorry, the show that you, you're the talking sh- about is uh, – um, The show I did in Chicago in j- last June. It's lit. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Too lit. Too lit. God damn it. I always screw it up. No, it's great though. I love it. I love that title. It's fine. Too lit. Or I'm fine. Too lit. Um, I mean, it's too lit on many things. He actually, at one point, he says something where he's like, because the only reason we make money is so that we can help others. And it was right, right around, you know, I found this clip right around when March was inaugurated. And I think that's just really funny because that's obviously a complete juxtaposition based upon who the majority of what's in power right now. Right. Well, I think inherently <laughs> we all, I would imagine we all inherently want to help people. And if we don't want to help people, what are we doing? We're just helping ourselves. I mean, yeah, but I think that's a hard struggle because it's like, are people inherently good or bad? Is that a real question? Is that a real definition? I think there's also a weird divide you have to do about like you ha- you can only help others if you've already helped yourself. This is such a weird way to say it, but the mask that comes down, the oxygen mask in a plane. It's like, make sure you put it on yourself before you put it on your child because you can't help your child unless you're 
getting oxygen. But I think then there's a weird line that gets funky with people where when we've become slightly selfish instead of helping others, once we have enough ourselves, you can say that to any extreme. Like how much money do you have to make before it's like, okay, it's enough. And then mm-hmm. There are people without clean drinking water and like, I don't know. But that's- no, I mean, no, no, these are these are things that you think would be easy to solve, and yet they are not, not because it, there's so much red tape and people who just are, they just don't care. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. The, the amount of carelessness and the amount of, I think the word I'm looking for is ambivalence, maybe, or mm-hmm. just uh, indifference. I think indifference. I think that's what was right. the problem when everything kind of came to a head in the last year and a half to two years. And then where people all of a sudden may, like angry. I think a large part of the reason we were, we're in the problem we are in now in many ways is like a lot of people were complacent and indifferent and didn't realize it. And then all of a sudden things happened and they were like, but how do this happen? And it's like, well, because... You haven't really been paying attention, and I may. I am. When did you? When did you start paying attention? Do you remember like when you were a kid and like you were like paying attention to current events and how like certain current events kind of opened up your eyes and made you wonder what you could do to change? Or was there like some teacher who was? Oh, Mr. Julius, seventh grade. Mr. Julius in seventh grade. I forget his first name. He was so hot. I listen to anything he had to say. <laughs> he just had a way with words. I could just watch him move his Forever. mouth for hours. We might have talked about it. I, he would reenact. My, I didn't know my mom was paying him, but my mom was paying him to tutor me after school. What? So, but he, it just, she made it seem like he just did it out of the goodness of his heart. So he would, I'm a visual learner because I'm pretty dyslexic. So he would reenact all the battles on desks for me. But I would tell all the kids, I'd be like, Mr. Jules loves me the most because he gives me. Special treatment. And really, he was probably getting paid like $75 an hour to like, you know, not that much. I don't know how much it was then. And then through him doing reenacting historical things, I guess when I started paying more attention to current things, which I think makes sense when you start to learn more of history and you're like, oh, but how did that happen? Hmm. What else we got in the phone there? I don't know. Let's see. Well, let's find out. This is Allison's birthday episode, a reminder, and uh, Allison's taken over and is the provider of all of the sounds, all from her own device. This is just labeled late night. It's 44 minutes, so we'll just see what happens. <laughs> okay. Guilty fucking pleasure. I really. you know it solves any problem you could ever have you ever had a Fluid in your body, you just get wasted. Mm-hmm. That fun wasted, 
It like doesn't make you that I'm way too drunk way. It's like that, hey, this person it's like reverse time. I feel good right before I get out of control. Oh, God. Now I'm gonna go run don't for 12 wish, miles. Don't you wish you could get to that point of like drinking, uh, like when you just you're in the fun It used time, to happen. It was so easy like, for so long. Like you were able to stay in that fun yeah. area for a while. Then all of a sudden it became a. But yeah, we all we got to the point that we're like. I love you. I love you so much because you can't say better. You say back to your and you're like, yeah, it's time to not be here anymore. Oh, wait, guys. The best thing, you're 40. This is how it's going to go. No, thank you. I don't know if I want to know. I'm I'm dealing with what's being dealt to me right now. This is your 40s drinking. Oh, wow, man. It's pretty amazing. You still hang out with fucking kids in your 20s, Dave. Not too bad. Here's to the first. Oh, a couple shots. That's it. You remember your first round, and then you're like, I had a $180 dab last night. Things got out of control. Let me take a look at my iPhone. Uh, 13 missed calls from all old girlfriends. What was I saying on the phone last night? <laughs> And there's more where that came there's, from. That's the first two minutes and forty five minutes out of fifty out of forty five minutes. <laughs> two so, hours, two minutes, forty five seconds. Allison, I've just I've concluded that you basically <laughs> just take your phone out and record when you're around drunk people. Uh, oh yeah, I mean I always just I'll just pull my phone out and press record and put it belly up, like yeah. belly down. Yeah. No one ever knows. Oh, so you and I share many uh-huh. a thing in common. I like, just waited. I just waited all this time to tell you. <laughs> I'm very excited. Okay. Um, well, then what I could ascertain from that clip is a few things. One, this is at a, someone's apartment, someone's house. This is at my apartment. This is at your apartment. I was working. We uh, put together kind of this like fun sketch group with people. That was Eli Bridges, beautiful, beautiful musician playing the guitar. Playing Enter Sandman yeah. clearly uh, stemmed from the conversation about <laughs> staying up for too long. Very yep. poignant. Very poignant. And Derek uh, had lived with, that was the year that Derek lived with me, and he was ex-military, actually, which is interesting to come from prior to this show, mm-hmm. or earlier in this episode. Um, and he just decided to not drink for a year. Excuse me, and that was the year he lived with me. So he was up late with us, probably just smoking weed. Mm. We were all pretty drunk. And so he goes on this tirade about people who shouldn't be drinking at 40 or so, being around 20-year-olds. Well, I think and- he's talking about himself. Oh, he's forty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Derek's. Uh, Derek is now forty-three, maybe. Got it. So that would have been like right when he hit round forty. Right. So he's kind of a self, being a little self-loathing in his own right, talking about why he shouldn't be, you know, drinking. Drinking. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've stopped drinking, but I've definitely stopped going out. Oh yeah. No, he was like a hard drinker. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by folks who are in their late 30s, like myself, or not late 30s, but people who are in their 30s, going into their 40s, or even older, who continue going out on a basis of which, regardless of their marital status, would indicate that they are not going to slow down anytime soon. I find it remarkable. I find it really yeah. kind of badass in many ways, but also kind of sad in other ways. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, they can, people can do that to their their bodies and you know knowing that their heart and their um, you know immune system is not going to be nearly as strong as it used to be oh you take a beating when you hit i don't know it's for sure like these body changes and you have to go along with drinking it. drugs etc shit i mean like i think my craziest days are already well behind me I, I don't even know if i had crazy days to begin with i don't want to be that guy anymore 
I feel like I was I was like that guy. I was considered that person you saw every week at a bar. Even if I wasn't drinking, I was faking it because I would just be there taking photos and dancing and singing and having a good time. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. Not because I don't want to. I don't really have the FOMO, nor do I have the dodo <laughs> to, <laughs> to be affording going out and even trying to blend in at all. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that. You are in a city where drinking is promoted. Oh, yeah. And, but you have to learn. It's a more way more of a balance and it, than here. And it, it, But that's the thing. All ages, everybody drinks down there. Nobody, I mean, people will partake in other vices. But now as somebody who was working to make ends meet in the bars and having to talk with people and, you know, learn about all these different, you know, union workers, finance people, uh, homeless people, <laughs> ex-military people. Yeah. And they're all like coming by where everybody knows your name. Are you working in a bar or a restaurant currently right now in New Orleans? Yeah, I'm working at two. You're working at two places. Mm -hmm. How has the patronage been there compared to that of New York? It's crazy because New Orleans is a tourist city, which I already know. Very much so. But like it's a destination spot for many people. So it's it's crazy. Some people are very nice. Then there's people who this is their four days to get out all their anxiety for the last year. They waited a whole year to get this conversation yeah. off their chest. But they're totally different. So one is a place called Cafe Amelie. It's beautiful. Um, if you come to New Orleans, I definitely say check it out. It's the owners. They moved 13 years ago to New Orleans and opened it six months before Katrina hit. It turned out to it became like a local spot. Mm -hmm. And now over the, in the last, especially like four years, became more of like a touristy spot. They have a beautiful courtyard, delicious food. And then the other place to work at is awesome. I also say to come. It's called Treo. Way more of a bar, and we do crawfish boils every night. So I work at one place. You know, I know how to make like 42 different classic cocktails. And then when I finish working at the end of the night, I get to sit by myself at the backyard and have an IPA and eat like six pounds of crawfish. Mm. The other bar is like Mwah. create like an Love atmosphere it. for like people. And it's this beautiful courtyard outside that looks super magical. Like at one point, someone one day put on Be Our Guest as I was like cutting butter. And I just looked outside the window and I was like, what? this isn't real. What? Like. <laughs> That's just irreverent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you yeah. you uh, get a chance to meet even probably more tourists than you did when you were living. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, not to say that you will not be back in New York, but while you have uh, been in New Orleans, you have been dealing with more tourists. You have not been dealing with many locals. No. It's interesting, right? Because New Some Orleans local, but like locals when I'll be like out afterwards when I'm working way more tourists. And when do you get off work, though? Let's be real. Oh, there early. So really? I don't work late there. No, you don't, no, no. You don't go until five. Oh my god! No, 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 no. The latest I've worked there has been like twelve thirty. Okay. No, I don't do. I don't play those games. I'm thirty two years old. Who do they have? I mean, they got they have some grizzled out folks doing those late shifts. Yeah, some people love those late shifts. I don't uh, play that game. I'm glad you don't play that game. <laughs> you, you look like you're going for a run after this. I am. You're gonna go for a run after this. Allison is in New York visiting. And uh, yep. she, by the time you hear this, uh, you she will be already be back basking in the swamp sunshine. Oh, I live right next to City Park, and I just will lay out a blanket and write for hours next to the water. Do there. they still have the, um, what's it called, the music box installation, I think it's called? Yes. Music box? Uh, I think they do. My sister uh, helped uh, create, or was working at least with one of the creators of it. Oh, cool. And uh, I'm pretty sure... Shivers, a.k.a. Lauren Barron, one of our yeah. previous guests, has one of her installations in there as well. Sounds really familiar. Okay, cool. Come back again, please, in person. But yes, I for guess, sure. I'll be back. But I guess uh, we'll, for this, the remainder of this month, we will have you relegated to being the tape lady. Yes. 
be, I love be, 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 be the analog sound over the phone while we uh, get into this fortuitous month recognizing our two years here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and glad that we were able to kick it off with you in person. Me too. This is, once again, another edition of Lost Around, our uh, episode 122. We look forward to having you back here next week. I'm Alon. I'm Allison. Have a great week, everybody. (laughs) Lost and Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn. And yes. uh, I was like, yes, we should. We absolutely should. Because we want to know what we're missing. Just so, you know, we're totally cognizant of what is out there. Yes. And plus, you already put the gears in motion. Okay. I farted.